I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. Listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. Listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. Listen, all y'all, it's a red wave. It's high noon. For Friday, June 18th, 2021, follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 149th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You know so little about everything that you determined everyone who is not like you is a domestic terrorist And now you're finding out that the phone call is coming from inside your own house. But it's important to remember, you're the smart ones. Now, that said, I would still like to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. I missed you guys. And the truth is, we all did. Come on, commies. Come on back to America. All you have to do is leave all those stupid and evil commie ideas that are rattling around in your empty skulls behind and immigrate back. It's super easy. All you got to do is find the courage to get through about 58 more minutes of me exposing all your stupid and evil ideas as stupid and evil. And during that period, you might feel like I am mocking or ridiculing you directly and personally. And the truth is that I am and you deserve it. But once you realize that, The only thing you're going to want is to shed yourself of all those commie ideas and do your best to rejoin reality. You know, reattach yourself to the things that are actually happening in the world and even the things that are happening to you and your friends and your family. Because if you don't care about those things, what is it you care about? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's your self-image. You want to imagine yourself as everyone's hero and the brilliant, shining example 
of how wonderful culture could only be if we listen to you. And, you know, there's a very good chance that everyone would be open to that if only you could explain any of your ideas in relation to reality. That's the problem, commies. That's why you are still feeling such pain about Donald Trump and all Donald Trump supporters. And you thought you had voted the pain away by going out and putting your support behind a man who was mentored by an actual Klansman and is fully compromised by our greatest adversaries in the world and whose son is one of the most despicable people to ever walk the earth. But you voted for that because you wanted to make the pain go away. And here you are nearly eight months later and the pain is still there. How's that, Kami? How does it work that way? You feel the frustration. I know you do. You're panicking constantly. We can all see it. So why is that? Why do you have this strange sneaking suspicion that not only is your pain not ceasing, but it actually seems like more and more people are going away to the other side? Isn't that a crazy feeling, Kami? Doesn't that trigger something in your brain? Don't you think, man, how can more people be getting stupid the more information they get? Now that, Kami, is a great question. And I know you have an article on CNN or maybe a UAnon Palmer piece in Newsweek that tells you Everyone is just becoming subject to this massive disinformation campaign. But I'll tell you, Kami, that ain't it. What's happening is that the disinformation campaign is not working anymore. That's why people don't agree with you the way you thought they should. So let's go ahead and break down more of your narratives. How about it, Kami? Stick around. Before we get into any of that, though, I do want to just provide a daily, daily show update. So the Daily Show actually put their Lindell piece on last night, and it is exactly what you would expect. But one part that surprised me in particular was how little of their interview with Lindell they actually use. So I think the piece was about six and a half minutes long and the first three, three and a half minutes or so was their commie correspondent, Jordan Klepper going around to just average Americans who were attending the rally and trying to use word games to catch them in an inconsistency or perhaps encourage them to say something that might make it sound like they're racist. That's what he spent the first more than 50% of the segment doing. That's what the Daily Show producers decided on. Hey, this is our best bet. This is how we're going to make Jordan Klepper look like the good and smart guy 
after Mike Lindell tried to sabotage The Daily Show. <laughs> like, I just imagine Lindell in like a burglar outfit, like sending them all a distraction so that he could find the Daily Show van, like where they're producing all the tech. And he goes in while all of them are looking around and following on Mike Lindell's wild goose chase that he set up for them. They're all away from the van and Lindell goes and like switches the red and green wires. <laughs> and then everything goes wrong. Ah, Lindell, the perfect crime. <laughs> World famous saboteur Mike Lindell. <laughs> gets the Daily Show's wires all crossed and the interview doesn't go as expected. <laughs> what an elaborate plot Mike Lindell has thought up. And he even went out and got a burglar outfit just running around on a hot day in all black clothing with gloves and a fucking balaclava over his face. Switching up Daily Show van wires. So... After they thoroughly attempted to make fun of average American citizens who would just like to see election audits so that the, the country can trust the outcome of the fraudulent election. He put maybe there was a minute or two minutes tops of their, I don't know, eight or nine minute exchange. And of course, they did all their edits cut Lindell off at certain points where you could see that he actually had something to say in the raw video of the interview. But this is the sort of thing we can expect from woke pop culture commies. Now, I want to get into the most interesting thing of the day as far as I'm concerned. This has been a big week, by the way. The fact that the revolver piece came out on Monday or Tuesday about the FBI and our law enforcement and intel community's involvement in the quote-unquote plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and then the very violent insurrection. And now this story has already developed to this point right here. And so someone on Twitter put this out. Somehow they found this video and this video is as damning as it can get. I'm going to play this and then we can talk about it. Uh, this guy, the storm has arrived on telegram is just always nailing it with content that he's finding that no one else is finding. So what a huge asset he is to the telegram community. So this is Washington, DC on the night of January 5th, one day before the very violent insurrection. And you're going to hear a man's voice on this, whose name is Ray Epps. And then there are some people we don't know. And then right next to Ray Epps is John Sullivan. John Sullivan, if you're not a regular listener, is the Antifa BLM plant who was organizing for counter-protesting on the 6th, spearheaded some of the violence 
the window breaking and the organization of those people. And then was inside the Capitol with CNN and I think NPR photojournalist Jade Sacker, who was in the process of producing a documentary, I think about white extremist violence. And so she was going to get into the Capitol and have all the real footage of the very violent insurrection, because what a documentary she would get to make at that point. Right. So John Sullivan gets her in there and they are celebrating it. There's video of the two of them celebrating getting into the Capitol. John Sullivan is the one who recorded the footage of Ashley Babbitt being shot and all sorts of other footage. Jaden, he goes by Jaden X and he has a group that he calls Insurgents USA. So John Sullivan, Jaden X, Insurgents USA, all the same thing. John Sullivan was paid by the media organizations for his footage. And that money has since been seized as John Sullivan is facing charges for his involvement in the very violent insurrection. So what we have here is a man named Ray Epps, and he's the older guy whose voice you'll hear. And right next to him is John Sullivan. And I might as well mention that if you want to see the full video, go to t.me slash I'm your moderator on Telegram. And you scroll up to this morning. I don't know what it was about 8 a.m. Eastern time. And you can find this clip or go to the storm has arrived 17's page. But here we go. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're not. You're right. We're not. But they, the cops are. No, they just the Constitution. Constitution is what it's about. Not, not about the Constitution. It's what? Yeah. Undercover agent type shit. Yeah. No joke. Yo, hold up. I got it's the Constitution. Yeah, but when, B when BLM and Antifa are burning down our cities and destroying our country. It doesn't matter right now. Yes, it does. That's breaking the Constitution. It does not matter right now. That's breaking the Constitution. You're losing focus. No, I'm not. You're, yes, you are. How? Uh, you don't know you're me. you're fighting with me. I'm not fighting with you. I'm just debating. You're wanting to beat somebody up. It's not I'm, worth it, when, man. When, when did I ever say the Constitution. that? I never said I want to beat anyone up. Okay. I'm not going to argue with I you. I want to stand up for a right. I agree with But tonight... I know. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to safe. go. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. Let's go. Face fed posting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go into the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> okay. Hey, at the end of the day, y'all. Organization funded by George Soros. George Soros. He is a fucking racist. Okay, so you might have heard a robotic voice in there making comments, and it's because this was from someone's Periscope, I think. But that's the that's the footage we have, right? It doesn't matter where it comes from. You, what you can see is this man, Ray Epps, trying to rile people up to go in and get into the Capitol, right? And you have normal Trump supporters around him trying to chill him out and like, hey, yeah, we're not 
fighting with you. We're just debating. We're just talking to you. We don't agree with you about how you're trying to rile everyone up. And then what you'll really notice there is at the end, a couple of kids who look like they're maybe, I don't know, 24, 25. They call him out for something called Fed posting. Okay. And what Fed posting is, is the people on a group text or a telegram chat or a message board like the Donald dot win or which is now Patriots dot win. When someone says things that might attract the eye of feds who are monitoring the chat or the board or whatever, they're advocating violence or they're advocating some sort of crime. All of us recognize that pretty much immediately because no one who's actually in the movement and trying to get this stuff fixed advocates violence ever. In fact, we're advocating the exact opposite. All of this, all of this effort is geared toward removing the corruption and fixing the problem and getting rid of communism without violence and without a civil war. That's what we want. So the people on our side are not advocating violence. I'm sure there are people on the fringes who are. But the movement is not. Now, Ray Epps is the sort of person who's yelling and screaming will always be caught on camera because he has people like John Sullivan right next to him documenting it and others. And then they give that footage to the media and the media plays what these people say. And an impression of what the crowd of Trump supporters is actually like forms in the minds of communists. It doesn't trick us because we're like, yeah, that doesn't sound like the people I interact with. It only sounds right to commies who already believe that Trump supporters are violent and evil. And they don't actually know anyone. So there's no check on their belief. They don't have the thought, oh, yeah, that's weird. There's no Trump supporters I know who think like that. They don't have that because they don't know any Trump supporters. And if they happen to, then they're not welcoming conversations with these people because otherwise they would recognize this for what it is immediately. And of course, those two MAGA kids did like they immediately called it Fed posting in real life. And that's what it was. And how do we know that? Well, let's figure out who Ray Epps is. And this is coming from an account called Breb Daily on Twitter, B-R-E-B Daily. On January 5th, the night before the infamous January 6th Capitol event, this Fed was caught on camera encouraging the crowd to raid the Capitol the next day. The crowd yells, no, we can't do that. And he insists that everyone raids the Capitol. So who is Ray Epps? Before we get to Boomer Fed, Mr. Epps, would you look who makes an appearance? What are the odds we can get a cameo from our dear friend and Fed Antifa provocateur, John Sullivan? He goes on. Fed sweating on the boards tonight. Arizona, you say? And then he posts a link to an article. Arizona man went to Washington for day of Capitol riot. Appears to talk about plans in video. And so they were reporting on Mr. Epps back in January. And he was doing interviews with news outlets 
about his activities at the Capitol. Oh, my, Mr. Ray. Ray Epps told the Arizona Republic in a brief telephone interview Monday that he had traveled to the Capitol for the event and that he had been advised by an attorney not to speak about it. And then Breb Daily posts a screenshot showing that one Ray Epps was in the FBI National Academy in 1960. The next post, one of the first people charging past barricades. A person who resembles Epps also appears in video of the first people charging past a line of barricades at the Capitol. An image of that man appears on an FBI news release of people being sought for information about the riot. There's Mr. Epps again, right in the center of everything. Would you believe it? No charges have been filed against Mr. Epps. Oh, well, that's interesting. Could Mr. Epps be one of the unindicted co-conspirators, one of the FBI's agents or informants who was on the grounds at the Capitol and even instigating the invasion? And so they kept researching Ray Epps, and it turns out he's been to political events at the Capitol before. He was at the 9-12 march in Washington in what is probably 2009, but might be 2010. That's when the uh, the 9-12 movement was happening. And then they also have him. They found him listed as the chapter president of the Oath Keepers in Arizona. And that's all the way back in 2011. So this is going to be a really interesting story to watch develop because in this one video, you can see a guy that we know is BLM Antifa and probably a federal informant himself who was directly responsible for promoting the counter protest, instigating the breaking of the windows and that kind of stuff, the actual invasion part, encouraging his people to go do that. Filming the whole thing, selling the filming of the thing. And he's next to a guy who is almost definitely in contact with or under the direction of the feds as well, just on the other side, the very real, very scary Oath Keeper side. And so you've got the BLM Antifa guy documenting the Oath Keeper guy saying that he wants to invade the Capitol building and trying to encourage others to go along with that plan. While all of the normal people out there are saying how bad an idea that is. And it turns out that Ray Epps has not been indicted or charged with any crimes for his involvement in the very violent insurrection. So why is that? Why is that? There has to be some good answer for that, right? And at this point, it seems overwhelmingly likely that the answer is Ray Epps is an asset of federal law enforcement or the intelligence community. What Darren Beatty and Revolver News have brought to light about the very violent insurrection is a thread that once you start pulling on it, it never stops. It's like the entire scarf was just knitted out of that one single thread. And I actually think, is that how 
Scarves are knitted? I don't know. <laughs> but the whole thing's going to unravel. That's my point. And it's always important to notice with this stuff. Whenever something happens and the media immediately begins giving an obviously false story about what happened, you can assume that large parts of what they're saying are absolute lies. And so that's what we've gotten about one six. And it's been such a constant focus for everything the Democrats are trying to do and trying to put over on the American people that it's obvious this story is almost entirely false in their telling. How many more people like Ray Epps are we going to find? And isn't it just a little bit too convenient that Ray Epps and John Sullivan are right next to each other? Like that's just supposed to be a random occurrence? Or did John Sullivan know exactly where to go to get the sort of footage he wanted? So everyone should keep an eye on that. That is going to get real interesting real fast. Now, today, there has been reporting in Red State and on Town Hall about this Chinese defector. Here is the Red State piece. It's actually from yesterday in the evening. This is Jennifer Van Lar, L-A-A-R. Breaking Chinese defector's identity confirmed was top counterintelligence official. Ooh, now that is spicy. We now know the name of the Chinese defector who has been working with the Defense Intelligence Agency for a few months and what his position within the Chinese military and government was, among other details. Matthew Brazil and Jeff Stein at Spy Talk reported on the rumor and gave the name and background of the rumored defector. Chinese language, anti-communist media and Twitter are abuzz this week with rumors that a vice minister of state security, Dong Jingwei, Jingwei, hope I'm saying it right. No offense. Defected in mid-February, flying from Hong Kong to the United States with his daughter, Dong Yang. Dong is or was a longtime official in China's Ministry of State Security, also known as the Guoanbu. His publicly available background indicates that he was responsible for the ministry's counterintelligence efforts in China, i.e. spy catching, since being promoted to vice minister in April 2018. If the stories are true, Dong would be the highest level defector in the history of the People's Republic of China. Red state sources confirm that the defector is, in fact, Dong, that he was in charge of counterintelligence efforts in China, and that he flew to the United States in mid-February, allegedly to visit his daughter at a university in California. When Dong landed in California, he contacted DIA officials and told them about his plans to defect and the information he'd brought with him. Dong then hid in plain sight for about two weeks before disappearing into DIA custody. According to Spy Talk, Dong's name came up during the Sino-American Summit held in Alaska in March 2021. In a tweet on Wednesday, this is a quote from the Spy Talk piece. In a tweet on Wednesday, Han, Dr. Han Lian Chao, a Chinese defector, citing an unnamed source, alleged that China's foreign minister Wang Yi and Communist Party foreign affairs boss Yang Jiqi 
demanded that the Americans return Dong and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken refused. Very interesting. Red state sources say that Chinese officials did demand that the United States return Dong, but Blinken didn't exactly refuse. At the time, Blinken wasn't aware that Dong was with, it, was with the U.S. government, the sources say, and told China that the U.S. didn't have Dong. It's only in the last three to four weeks that anyone outside DIA knew about the defector, according to red state sources. Prior to that time, DIA was vetting the information provided and confronting Langley officials with what they'd learned without divulging the source. Experts quoted in the spy talk piece essentially say that the defection is just a rumor and that rumors happen all the time, but that if it's true, it's a big deal, but quote, not game changing based on conversations with sources familiar with the information Dong has already provided and its quantity and reliability. That's simply not the case. Not only does Dong have detailed information about China's special weapons systems, the Chinese military's operation of the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the origins of SARS-CoV-2 and the Chinese government's assets and sources within the United States. Dong has extremely embarrassing and damaging information about our intelligence community and government officials in the, quote, terabytes of data, end quote, he's provided to the DIA. Some of the information provided by Dong was reported on by the Washington Free Beacon earlier this week. And this is from the Free Beacon. Hundreds of Chinese nationals are the subject of a federal probe after law enforcement officials flagged their travel at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Chinese nationals returned to the United States earlier than expected in January 2020, often having modified their travel plans. The episode is recounted in an internal report that circulated among various national security and law enforcement agencies on June 3rd. That report surmises that the Chinese students returned to the United States earlier than expected in order to avoid future travel restrictions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. The team examined 58,000 Chinese FJ visa holders in the passenger name record database and identified 396 individuals whose return travel was scheduled after January 2020, but had returned in January 2020, the report reads. The Free Beacon reports that U.S. intelligence officials haven't come to a conclusion about whether or not the students being investigated were spies, but Red State is told that whether or not one wants to use the term spy, those students were sent back to the United States with specific information gathering directives with the purpose of helping Beijing understand the U.S. government's response to the pandemic at a much deeper level than they could through publicly available documents. Those students, spies, we're charged with reporting back on public policy changes, economic response and damage impacts on the health care system, equipment, hospital bed shortages, etc. Supply chain impacts, including how long it took things like semiconductors from China to reach the United States, civil unrest and more. In addition, Dong has provided DIA with the following information. Early pathogenic studies of the virus we now know as SARS-CoV-2. Models of predicted COVID-19 spread and damage to the U.S. and the world. Financial records detailing which exact organizations and governments funded the research on SARS-CoV-2 and other biological warfare research. Names of U.S. citizens who provide intel to China. Names of Chinese spies working in the U.S. or attending U.S. universities. Financial records showing U.S. businessmen and public officials who've received money from the Chinese government. Details of meetings U.S. government officials had, perhaps unwittingly, with Chinese spies and members of Russia's SVR. 
how the Chinese government gained access to CIA communication systems, leading to the death of dozens of Chinese people who were working with the CIA. That is all extraordinary. Dong also has provided DIA with copies of the contents of the hard drive on Hunter Biden's laptop, showing the information the Chinese government has about Hunter's pornography problem and about his and Joe's business dealings with Chinese entities. Some of the files Dong has provided shine a light on just how it was that the sale of Hennig's Automotive and their stealth technology to Chinese military manufacturer Avic Auto was approved. Again, according to sources, Dong told DIA debriefers that at least a third of Chinese students attending U.S. universities are PLA assets or part of the Thousand Talents plan, and that many of the students are here under pseudonyms. One reason for using pseudonyms is that many of these students are the children of high-ranking military and party leaders. Wow. As we initially reported, DIA has high confidence in the veracity of Dong's claims. The fact that Since our original report, which was poo-pooed by Langley apologists, the New York Times published a rare interview with Dr. Shi Zhang Li, the Wuhan Institute of Virology Batwoman. ABC News has started an investigation into COVID-19 origins, and now the actual name of the defector has been published in an anti-Trump CIA-friendly blog demonstrates what sources told Red State today. This defector has the rest of the intelligence community and the law enforcement community scared shitless. So what we have is a story that has been developing for a few weeks, and I've not paid much attention to it till now because there wasn't a whole lot out there to pay attention to. You know, you hear this piece of information, you're like, wow, that'll be big if that's true. You try to dig into it, you can't get anywhere. So at that point, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is true, but you can't really... Make it a a big part of your calculations about what's going to happen and about what's going, what's really going on. But at this point, you got to think it's pretty likely that they have exactly who they say they have and that he has been here for this many months. And so if he has what they say he has, how is this not a game changer? If he has direct proof, for instance, that the virus was created as a bioweapon and released as a bioweapon, that's a game changer. If he has far more about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's business dealings and the extent to which they are compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, that's a game changer. The fact that Tony Blinken was unaware that the United States had this defector should tell you a whole lot about the level of control Joe Biden's fake administration currently has over the Defense Intelligence Agency. And it sounds very much like their level of control is roughly zero. It's the sort of thing that would happen if the military intelligence agencies, I should say, the military intelligence agencies know that the person pretending to be president right now is a walking national security threat. 
to the point where they cannot allow members of his administration to even know that this is happening. The Daily Mail is now reporting this story as well. So clearly this story is going to reach media saturation, which means that the mainstream media is going to have to figure out some way to debunk it. And when we see that, it'll be a great indication of just how much substance there is to this story. Because if this causes immediate panic, then it should be pretty clear that Dong has everything Dong is reported to have. Because the commies melt down the hardest when we are exactly right about something. And another thing to consider would be the stories we've seen coming out over these last few weeks, especially, but last few months. If there was an indication that Dong existed, Dong was in DIA custody, and that Dong had all the information he's reported to have, then we could imagine the fake administration trying to get out ahead of that and trying to preset some of the narratives on their own terms so that they're not blindsided by this whole thing. Now, one of the most important aspects of what Dong is said to have is the stuff about the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And what have we seen the last three or four weeks? We've seen Fauci's emails finally be released on a FOIA, although heavily redacted. We've seen Joe Biden's fake administration kill the Pompeo Secretary of State investigation into the origins of COVID. We've seen them relaunch a new investigation into the origins of COVID. And we've seen most of the American public come to terms with the fact that the virus almost definitely came out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which means one way or another, it was a massive scientific failure. We've also seen the emails from Fauci, the videos of Ralph Barrick, the videos of Peter Daszak, all of these people talking about how gain of function was restarted. They were studying back coronaviruses. They had live bats in the lab. Workers in the lab were at risk of being bitten by these live bats. All of this is out there now. Okay. Now, granted, a lot of us knew large chunks of this stuff well over a year ago. But all this is coming to light in public right now, and it may be, I'm not saying it is, saying it may be that these stories are coming out and being allowed out by the communist media and by the fake administration because they are actually trying to preset a narrative to tamp down the impact of stuff coming out that is far, far worse for them. And this really does have the potential to be far, far worse. This is the sort of comprehensive information that could take down massive portions of the deep state in America and the communists in America. A third of Chinese students in this country might be Chinese spies. Yeah, that's a big deal. 
financial records detailing which exact organizations and governments funded the research on COVID-19 and other bioweapons. The names of the U.S. citizens who provide intel for the Chinese. Government officials with relationships to the Chinese Communist Party. Everything on Hunter's laptop. All of this. This is like a mother load of stuff the deep state can't withstand. The temperature this week has been turned all the way up. This entire week has been loaded up with massive, massive wins for us. Joe Biden looked every bit the embarrassing moron he is out on the world stage. He's being shown quite clearly to be scared of or intimidated by Vladimir Putin. And today they just canceled an arms deal with Ukraine. That sounds to me like a favor to Putin. Meanwhile, Trump was imposing sanctions on Russia. So how is it that Trump is the one who's compromised by Russia? That doesn't sound true at all, does it? In the last few weeks, Joe Biden has given Putin Nord Stream 2, the pipeline, to move Russian gas to Germany. And now he's canceled a Ukraine arms deal. We've got the very violent insurrection narrative completely blowing up in their faces to the point where it doesn't seem long from now until it will be proven and accepted that that event was instigated and carried out by elements of our own federal law enforcement and intel community. We've got the total breakdown of the election fraud narrative in Georgia to the point where we know that hundreds of thousands of ballots have no chain of custody, that Brad Raffensperger had this full report of how many problems there were even just in Fulton County and did nothing about it. He actually sent the minion out there who prepared this report out onto media so that he could go say that, yeah, you know, I said all these things, but none of it made a difference. All the votes worked out in the end. All of Fulton County's numbers worked just fine. So obviously there wasn't a problem, even though I listed all those things. I mean, these are just things that we can fix going forward, but nothing that would have affected the count. No one's going to believe that. And now we have this new explosive revelation that the Defense Intelligence Agency has had a Chinese defector for the last, what, four months? And that's not all. But before I get to that last thing, let's keep in mind that the only quote-unquote win that the fake Biden administration has had this week is making a holiday out of Juneteenth. Now, if you don't know what Juneteenth is, okay, most people don't. And one of those people, as recently as last year, is Joe Biden. Joe Biden thought it was the anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. And now he's pretending that it's a day of remembrance for the moral stain of slavery that still afflicts us now. 
So, uh, okay, Kami, I guess. Go with that if you want. That doesn't sound like a win compared to all the stuff that's happening on our side. Joe Biden's fake administration right now has zero wins. Like maybe they've pleased a few fringe commies out there, but there is no normal American who has any semblance of any clue about what's happening in American public life right now who sees anything that Biden has done as a win. Even on all their pet projects, they are failing. The only things that they can claim to successfully have done are implement spending plans that haven't even started yet. Now, let's get to the last thing. Now, this is an issue very near and dear to my heart because you might remember that a month or so ago, Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch put out the FOIA documents he had received from the California Secretary of State's office about their interactions with the social media tech companies in service of having California's own citizens censored because the Secretary of State's office didn't like the fact that people were putting out political narratives that were opposed to their goals. So last night, Rogan O'Handley, better known as DC Drano on social media, went on Tucker Carlson to announce that he had filed a lawsuit against Alex Padilla, who at the time was the California Secretary of State and has since been placed by the corrupt communist Gavin Newsom into Kamala Harris's California Senate seat. And so this is from LibertyCenter.org, where you can find out more about this case. He's being represented by Harmeet Dillon. And this is their press release. I'm going to read it for you. Big tech and big government are colluding to censor your speech, and we cannot let them get away with it. In 2018, the state government of California created the Office of Election Cybersecurity to educate voters, that's in, in quotes, with, quote, valid information, end quote, on election laws and procedures. And as any sensible person could predict, this office quickly developed into a political weapon for censorship by the far left secretary of state's office, more resembling a Harry Potter like ministry of approved election information than a constitutionally governed state agency leading up to the 2020 election in the and in the months following it. Twitter, at the direction of, of government employees at the California Office of Election Cybersecurity. And by the way. That was a new office set up by California Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Discriminately removed tweets posted by conservative social media influencers criticizing Joe Biden and questioning the legitimacy of the 2020 election. Their objective was simple. Censor their political opponents. The Center for American Liberty, in collaboration with the Dillon Law Group, represents such an influencer. Conservative lawyer and political commentator Rogan O'Handley. Like many expressing concerns over the 2020 election, Rogan found himself the target of the California Office of Election Cybersecurity. From November 2020 to February 2021, Rogan tweeted a series of messages calling for an audit of every California ballot, a commission to study the 2020 election results, and raising concern over voter fraud, only to be swiftly flagged by leftist operatives working as an agent of the California Secretary of State, who in turn instructed Twitter to remove Rogan's tweets. 
But that's not the worst of it. In February 2021, Twitter permanently suspended Rogan altogether for tweeting most votes in American history. This tweet proved too much for the snowflakes at Twitter, who in turn permanently suspended his account for supposedly violating rules about election integrity. The actions of then California Secretary of State Alex Padilla, his agents and Twitter are outrageous. Government cannot censor speech on the basis of viewpoint, but that is exactly what happened here. Whether it is for Rogan O'Handley or any other American, the First Amendment must be protected. Political speech, the right to express ideas and engage in the political process is core to the First Amendment. It is sacrosanct. That is why this case, O'Hanley versus Padilla, is so important. If we are ever going to have free and fair elections again, we need to stop big tech collusion with big government to censor your speech. Now, naturally, I love this because, like Rogan O'Hanley, I was also censored at the direction of the California Secretary of State's office. And our censorship, which I've discussed on this show before, was actually from last September. So it was even before the elections. I did a recall Gavin Newsom event so that people could come sign the petition to recall the corrupt communist governor of California. And I was joined by some friends, uh, one of whom was the actress Samita Armstrong who you may have seen on War Room or you may have heard on my podcast around that time, early last September. And so we all took a picture. Samita posted it on Instagram and tagged those of us in the picture. And the photo was flagged by the California Secretary of State's office. It was sent out to a group called uh, SKD Knickerbocker who would then submit it through a portal to the social media platforms. And not too long after that, I found myself taken down from Twitter and from Instagram. Do I know that that one post is directly related? No, of course not. But I do know that that one post was in the FOIA documents and there is a 100% chance that what we see in the FOIA is not all of it because what we were doing was rather innocuous. They said we got taken down for discussing, and this is me discussing this in the video, by the way, discussing the fact that my voter registration in California was changed without my permission to place me on the permanent vote by mail list. And I am pretty sure that they did this to everyone. But that's the part that they said was misinformation, misinformation about an election that could change the election. Except it wasn't misinformation. It was exactly correct. And it couldn't change the outcome of the election unless putting people on that list was a specific step toward ensuring the Democrats could win. And there's a strong chance that part is actually true. But I didn't relay disinformation. I said something that happened to me about which I was exactly correct. But let's just go beyond that, okay? We know that the California Secretary of State's office and that secretaries of state all around the country, their offices also had these same connections, through the National Association of Secretaries of State. 
And we've discussed that before. They could all go through this group, SKD Knickerbocker, and have them handle the censorship here. And of course, as I always discuss, they disseminate the responsibility for their behavior, right? So it's not the California Secretary of State censoring you. It's them letting this other organization know that there's this very harmful post that these very scary citizens put up on the on the Internet. And maybe there's something you can do about this. And so SKD Knickerbocker says to the social media companies, hey, is there something you can do about this? And they say, why, of course, here's a portal so that you can let us know every time you're having a problem with something someone posts, especially if other people start paying attention to it. You just get in touch with us and we'll take it down. And then, of course, Alex Padilla's office says, oh, that's so great. A private company is going to censor these citizens ostensibly based on some terms of service they have that they can pretty much choose to apply however they like. And they have Section 230 immunity, so they can't even get in trouble for it. Man, that is so great. All these people get censored, but it's not the government doing it. So I guess our hands are clean. Well, turns out your hands aren't clean. And I am so happy this lawsuit exists. And by the way, 100%, I'm going to try to join it. And hopefully it'll turn into a class action. And hopefully everyone else out there who has been censored can file affidavits to join this case. But I want to think a little bit more about what the level of censorship last year actually was. And I mean, obviously it still is. I'm just not on those platforms anymore. So it's not an immediate worry for me. It's not like a day-to-day thing. But I didn't stop. I mean, anybody who ever followed me on social media knows that I only go hard. And if there's someone out there who gives less of a fuck than I give, I would love to meet that person. But I was throwing everything right in the face of all these Hollywood commies all last year. And when my Instagram account finally came down forever, I had 15,000 followers. It wasn't enormous, but I easily had, I don't know, 500, maybe a thousand blue checkmark followers, many of them celebrities in Hollywood. And I was trying to put this stuff in their faces every single day. And a lot of them were seeing it. And I'm very proud of that because hopefully those people are now having the thoughts like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I kind of uh, said terrible things about him back then, but it turns out he was right. (laughs) Yeah, Kami, turns out I was right. But beyond that, one of the most annoying things about what they did was how much They intentionally tried to destroy people's reputations and destroy their relationships with people. You know, every single one of my posts was getting flagged as disinformation or be attached to a fact check. And what does that do? That makes me look like I'm lying about the most important issues of our time, or it makes it look like I'm uninformed, or it makes it look like I'm a conspiracy theorist. And all of those things tear away at a reputation and a business that I spent 15 years in Hollywood building up. Like I didn't magically appear in my position in Hollywood. 
It was a lot of work, a lot of networking, a lot of building relationships, a lot of doing lots of things for lots of people with no expectation of reward. I was building a business. I was building a network. I was creating communities. And because the tech companies had a political agenda, they felt totally free to try to tear down all those things I had built. Not because I was lying. I wasn't lying. All of the things that I said last year, I am more than happy to account for right now. Even the things that I was wrong about in terms of, I think this is going to happen on this day. I think this means this. I think this might happen. Speculation is speculation. You know, no one's going to nail 100% of that. But my underlying information and the moves I was making to combat the central narrative, that stuff was correct. I was putting out cold, hard truth right in the face of Hollywood communists. And for that, I was constantly fact-checked and made to look like a liar, like a conspiracy theorist, like someone who didn't care about anyone else's lives. Why would you be talking about hydroxychloroquine when you know that it's very dangerous? Yeah, okay, commie. You got me. You're right again, commie. What was I thinking? Telling you the truth. A year before CNN finally made you feel comfortable to believe in reality. And so, you know, I've been thinking about this stuff a lot. And I, I actually love the First Amendment argument that they're making. And like I said, I want to join this case. But I think that there are other approaches uh, against the tech companies and against the state of California as well. Because the state of California and other Democratic governors around the country, along with our public health community and people like Anthony Fauci and the media and whoever else, they have cost people their lives and their livelihoods on a scale that is almost unimaginable. You know, how much bigger would my show be if Instagram was not censoring my speech? was not making it so that certain people couldn't see the things that I was saying. Because, of course, I was shadow banned as well. Everybody gets shadow banned before you get permanently banned. That's the part that really bothers me. It's not just that they're taking down a post or banning your account. It's the destruction that they cause on to your character and to your professional life that no one seems to want to account for. I mean, there's an element to what these social media companies have done. That is, it seems on some level, almost defamation. I mean, they also, by the way, shut down my business last year. So I lose tens of thousands of dollars from the business that I have, that I had spent 15 years building up. And then I'm basically painted in the public view as a liar and fraud and conspiracy theorist after spending 15 years building up a relatively spotless reputation in that town. And then they make it intentionally more difficult for me to build out this new platform, this new project. 
That's messed up, man. And there is a financial value on that. And by the way, I'm not singling myself out at all. There are tens, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people just in California, but all around the country who have had the same experience, whose lives and livelihoods have been measurably harmed by this censorship that occurred at the behest of our government in direct opposition to the First Amendment. There has to be compensation for people. And because I have faith in these current situations being resolved, I believe that there will be. I believe actually, and this is a little out there and I'm fine with that. But I have a feeling that if Donald Trump is able to extract 10 trillion or 20 trillion dollars from the Chinese Communist Party or cancels debt to China and other nations involved in just straight up robbing the United States. That there are those of us who have been intentionally mistreated by our government. Who will have some recourse. That's my hope, at least. And now before I go, I just want to take a second on one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. I mean, it's kind of irrelevant. I understand. But this week, Victoria's Secret decided to do away with supermodels in lingerie, which is, by the way, their entire business for the entire existence of their business. And have determined that the wise business move is to appease angry feminists at like the blog Jezebel and replace the Victoria's Secret Angels with seven women and a trans woman. One of the women is Megan Rapinoe, the purple-haired soccer player on the women's national team. And congratulations, Megan Rapinoe, you're talented at soccer. That's wonderful. You know what you're not talented at? Modeling underwear that people want to buy. They've also got plus size models and they've got their diversity. They have this whole thing. We are reimagining Victoria's Secret. Hey, Victoria's Secret, don't reimagine Victoria's Secret. The only reason you are Victoria's Secret is because you had supermodels in lingerie. You don't switch the main thing. That would be like Coca-Cola being like, yeah, we're having difficulty in our business. I guess now we'll make couches. That's not smart. And why are they all acting like there are no companies who make underwear or lingerie for women who aren't supermodels and don't even want to pretend to be supermodels in the lingerie? Those companies exist. They have plus size lingerie companies. They even had like, I think it was American Eagle or one of those like mall retail stores, like one of those Americana brands. They started their own like normal girl underwear companies. It's not like that thing doesn't exist. Apparently the new thing is that we're just not allowed to have supermodels wearing lingerie. We're not allowed to have a brand built around supermodels in lingerie. And they've decided this because they also decided that 
the supermodels in lingerie thing, that was only for men. And a good way to know that's not true is by thinking about how big a television event the Victoria's Secret runway show was as recently as maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. And think about how many men watched that. You know how many men watched that? Zero. I mean, unless, of course, they were about to become trans. (laughs) But like, this is so crazy. What if I went to Megan Rapinoe and was like, uh, hey, Megan Rapinoe, we're going to start a campaign to get the soccer equipment companies to redesign their products and market them toward plus size soccer players. How about that? Because, you know, we believe that making soccer products only for athletes and for people who play soccer is not very inclusive. In fact, how can you only make soccer products? Like, what about all the other sports? You're trying to say that only soccer players are real people? Come on, Nike. You have to be inclusive. Like, these shin guards are specifically designed for working mothers. (laughs) And we have a, a new line of cleats specifically designed for obese trans women riding motorized grocery carts at the store. Is that woke enough, Megan Rapinoe? It's unclear why Victoria's Secret didn't just save themselves time and end their business. Because absolutely no one wants this or needs it, okay? The people who are hung up on this kind of woke retardation are not Victoria's Secret's customers. This is what all these corporations need to realize, and hopefully some of them are at this point. There is no group of people that they're pleasing who are also customers of theirs. So they're basically pissing off all their customers to appease some idiots online. And maybe they'll finally realize this when their companies go completely out of business and their CEOs start getting fired for total negligent mismanagement. And I mean, speaking of Coke, this week, the soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo, was doing a post-game press conference and there were two bottles of Coke up on the table in front of him. He took them, put them off to the side, out of the camera shot, and just put a bottle of water up there. Like, no thanks, I'm not advertising Coke. Appreciate the offer, not going to do it. That's awesome. And that's where all these woke companies are going. So I hope you all have an awesome weekend. All of the news coming in is good news for our side. It is just win, 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 win. Literally every single day, we win bigger. All right? And I think I finally understand what it means to be tired of winning because a lot of us would rather just have the game be over. You know, like, thank you. We won. We'll take the win. It's all over now. Excellent. We can go back to normal life. Perfect. That would be so relaxing. But in the meantime, we hold the line. We spread the truth. 
and we celebrate all of these wins. And just a note, next week I have my parents coming into town to visit. I haven't seen them since before coronavirus, and I also have some work being done on my place. So the episodes might not be up right on time, but I will get them all up, and I hope you'll be there to listen. So I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time, or maybe a different reasonable time, but on the same reasonable podcast network. Oh, wait, I don't have a network. Mastin lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic, and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!